praise the Lord, thanks. Those, you know, some of those old hymns are almost too spiritual to sing. Uh, you know, it, it, I guess I guess you can a sense in which you can see why or or how uh, they've somewhat gone by the wayside, uh, just because wow, that's deep. You know, they got good theology and and uh, uh, not a bad tune. Uh, not necessarily much of a beat to it, but uh, not a bad tune and. And uh, that's good stuff. So, uh, so tonight I'm going to kind of pick us up where we left off last Sunday night, which was at verse 14, and then roll into the next section of this psalm. Maybe also give you uh, some assignments we can work with as we get into that. Um, but as as I do so, I do have some extra copies of the handout from last week, which covers verses nine through sixteen. If someone needs, does you know, doesn't have and and uh, type A personality, you want to have them matched set and keep it all complete. Just raise your hand, Brian, come by and give you a copy. Um, and uh, and uh, you know, and as we're doing that, and as we're Getting ready to roll. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and back it up to verse 9 where we started last time just to go through some of the, um, you know, one thing that helps me to process sometimes what God's word is saying is if I can find mnemonic learning devices to throw in with that. Uh, obviously, you know, being a preacher, you're going to do one or two things. Either you're going to alliterate, use alliteration, where words start with the same first letter, or you are going to rhyme. Okay, so either you're going to alliterate or you're going to rhyme. And, you know, when I can look at a passage and I can think of it in, in terms of maybe some keyword jumps out at me and then I want to try and find a word similar to that word that either sounds like it or looks like it or starts with the same letter, it, it just, you know, it kind of helps me process the passage so if we went back to, to verse 9, uh, in the case that you didn't get this last Sunday and you know, you're interested in it, verse 9 talks about a period, wherewith shall a young man, okay, so that's a period in life, a priority, cleanse his way, as we mentioned how a young man's gotta, got to be a victor as a young person. That has to happen. If not, you struggle with uh, whatever you don't get victory over then the rest of your life. So, so it, you know, it's good to have that as a priority. Then also a promise, because how am I going to cleanse my way, especially as a young man? Well, by taking heed thereunto, according to thy word. Okay, so now verse 10 We've got the degree to which this must happen with, with my whole heart. That's the degree. The devotion that is, that is called forth with my whole heart have I sought thee. Uh, then, then we've got a supplication, oh, let me not wander, and a standard, not wander from thy commandments. So that kind of took us through verses 9 and 10. Verse 11 talks about a possession, thy word, a place. Where have I put that possession? I've hid it in mine heart. That way it can't ever be taken away from me. I mean, they can, they can, burn, they can take my Bible, they can burn it, and just seek to destroy my Bible. You know, I think one of the uh, interesting movies. Denzel Washington did the uh, movie on uh, Book of Eli. Anybody remember watching Book of Eli? And that's, I mean, that that is so interesting. And he goes, he goes through, and he's he's on a mission, and he's got actually a Bible that he's carrying with him, and goes through all of this. Finally, gets to the place he's supposed to be to try and preserve that Bible in the midst of this apocalypse that he's having to walk through. And the Bible ends up being destroyed, but you know what? That, that ain't no thing but a chicken wing because he's got it memorized. He's got it in his heart. And so they just lay him down and he, you know, he just unloads his mind. Of, now, they called it a new King James, so, uh, you know, but you can't have everything uh, when you're dealing with Hollywood. 
but it, it was at least a King James. And um, I, you know, I thought that was really cool because, okay, you, can, you know what? You can take the book, you can destroy it, uh, you can steal it. Uh, that's okay, whatever, whatever I have, when I've taken that possession and put it in the place of my heart, then you can't ever get it away from me. It's like trying to, I think I used the illustration last Sunday, it's like trying to steal an apple from somebody and they eat it. And then you'll never get it away from them. So, uh, a purpose that I might not sin against thee. Then in verse 12, we have a, a teacher. Blessed art thou, O Lord. He's the teacher. The topic, teach me thy statutes. Verse 13 the public with my lips professed with my so so okay public with my lips professed have i declared or you say preached uh uh, Allah, what we talked about this morning uh public uh preached and plenary all the judgments of thy mouth plenary meaning complete and and the whole thing and that is where we stopped at last Sunday night. So we've only got two more verses in this section, then we'll roll over to the next one. So if you will look at uh, verse 14, which talks about delighting in the Word of God. So uh, if I give you the breakdown again, it'd be like this. And, it, and uh, I, let me give you a whole phrase. Delight in the way, and then devaluation of wealth. Okay, so verse 14, um, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. There is delight in the way. And he says, I've rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all cryptocurrency. A, A devaluation of wealth. I don't even know what cryptocurrency is. I don't, you know, it's like this mystifies me. And I understand that all money is, is really just fiat. Right? It's, I mean, they just, government's printed on paper. And I mean, what is it? It's just a way, you know, I suppose for in an economy for us to trade our time by which we have earned that for something else that we want. And, um, uh, you know, uh, David says, I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies, and I've done that uh, as much as in all riches. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I, one of the things that interests the American mind, we always like a good, uh, you know, we don't call them villains, but we always like a good anti-hero type hero. Right, so you see that in um, the the Dark Knight, and uh, so so Batman as a Dark Knight, and uh, I don't know Spider Man in whatever universe uh, with whatever he uh, struggles with and goes through, uh, but that's always been our heredity as Americans because you know you can go right up to Saint Joseph and go to the house that Jesse James was shot in. And it's, you know, to Jesse James, it's a big deal. They still, in Lee Summit, they have a, they have a Cole Younger days. And, and, you know, and Jesse's, I don't know, Jesse's brother lived there for a time maybe. And we make heroes. We turn into heroes, these, uh, I guess, uh, at least for a moment, they may have been Robin Hood type people and not, not just hoods, but Robin Hoods. And uh, so we make, uh, you know, we make heroes of them. And so not only with the West, but also with, with pirates. I mean, pirates are a big thing. You know, we love pirates and pirate stories. And, and um, uh, you know, kids love pirates. Who ever heard of a pirate forgetting where he buried his treasure? So... So, now, I understand that rum will do that to you. I don't know this firsthand, but they, they, what they tell me is rum will do that to you, and you might, you might forget where you buried your treasure. But treasuring anything above the Word of God is simply idolatry. If you want a simple definition of idolatry, there'd be, there'd be a good sidewalk definition right there, a working definition for your work and for your life, treasuring anything above the Word of God. 
Now, and uh, the illustration I would give of that is uh, um, Lot versus Abraham. Abraham, who was older, who had every right to be able to make the first choice, looks at Lot and says, look, you know, our, our, uh, our servants, our herds, everything, you know, we need to, we can't keep mixing up like this. You choose the right hand, I'll go the left. You choose the left hand, I'll go the right. You choose where you want, I'll take what's left over. And he, and he, gave, he gave Lot the opportunity to do that because Abraham was more concerned about his walk with God than he was either about having a falling out with uh, Lot or, uh, you know, having to necessarily have the greatest riches. Um, Another one would be King Saul versus King David as to what they chose and Moses versus Pharaoh and Mary versus Martha and Ananias versus Barnabas. Remember the story in the early church? Ananias and Sapphira, and they sold something, and they only brought part of the money, and that wasn't a problem. The problem was they said it was all of the money, and Peter's like, no, you dog, you just lied to the Holy Ghost. And uh, so there's Ananias. No, but then there's Barnabas. He had property and wealth. He sold it invested it at that time in the early church and, you know, ended up saying, look, I, I don't need any of that. Me and Paul, we're going to go out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find Paul. He's going to help me in Antioch. Antioch sends us out. We're going to go where we need to go with the gospel. And Paul versus the high priest. So similar, similarly, if you put anything above the word of God, that is idolatry. And that kind of gets at the roots You know, what they say in the secular world is follow the money. If you want to know, you know, what is the wheel within the feet wheel, follow the money. And if there's a conspiracy about anything, it, it it is about wealth, it's about money, it's about treasure. As a believer, if you put any of that above the word of God, that is simple idolatry. So now we got the last two verses of this particular section. And this section ends with a strong declaration of purpose as the psalmist makes four promises. Notice here verses 15 and 16. He says, I'll meditate, I will respect, I will delight myself, and I will not forget. Okay, so watch. Verse 15, verse 15. First, there is character. I will meditate. That's character. Then there is content, or uh, you know, another word I came up with, curriculum. Because I will meditate in thy precepts. Okay, now that's a little different. I mean, you have to understand the definition of meditate in the Bible versus what we deal with in our common American culture at this time. Uh, um, yeah, because in our society, meditation would have to do with emptying your mind and chanting the name of a Hindu deity until you realize that there is no spoon. And that's kind of meditation in our, in our common world today. Well, that's not, you know, that's not biblical meditation. In the Bible, meditation has a curriculum. Meditation has content. Meditation has a focus. It has something you're going to put your mind on. I'm going to, I am going to meditate in thy precepts, and then there's a consequence. And have respect unto thy ways. Now that says a lot right there. Those who do not respect the ways of God probably have disdained taking the time to really consider and meditate on the precepts of God's word. So I want to point out to you from verse 15, this is an unalterable order of events. Um, The more we meditate, the more we will respect. So first meditate. That word occurs five times and the word meditation two more times here in this psalm. So we've got verse 15, verse 23, verse 48, verse 78, verse 148. Okay, those are all the 
occurrences of meditate and add to that verse 97 and verse 99 for the word meditation. And the word meditate or meditation means to commune, to commune with someone, to, uh, to muse, to contemplate, to ponder, to pray. I mean, it implies a spirit of devotion. Now, that is true mindfulness. That is the type of mindfulness that the believer ought to have, and it is antithetical to the Buddhist idea of detaching from reality in order to get in your own head. So the modern American psychotherapeutic answer, taken from Buddhism, is detached from reality, then you won't feel bad about it. Now, you won't have solved it. But whenever you start realizing you haven't solved it, just go back and meditate some more and, and detach from reality again. Get in your own head and, let, and make that be the answer. Get in your own mind instead of getting God's mind. That's the difference between biblical mindfulness and mindfulness as we see it in our society today. So verse 15 There is reflection. I will meditate in thy precepts. And again, respect. I'll have respect unto thy ways. Um, God's ways are his paths. So the word ways here is also translated paths. So it really it's a pathway. And so that what that shows us is contemplation in action. So if the meditation, if the contemplation does not lead you to proper action, then it has not produced the result in your life that God desires you to have. And so the practical value of the Bible, the practical value of the Bible is that it teaches you to respect the right path, to, correct, to respect the correct path. And just like a captain at sea, we don't, we don't need to know where every rock is. Uh, we just need to know where the deep water is. Hello, somebody. I don't care about where every rock is at in the channel. You just show me where the deep water's at, and I'll just go through there. We buy books. We, I, we waste time studying the rocks. Uh, instead of wading out into the deep water and sailing where God wants us to go. Uh, you know, and I'll, you know, I'm, I will confess that, I, you know, I can, I think I can speak uh, on this from some experience. Uh, you know, Lord, uh, you know, praise the Lord, I, I finally finished my dissertation. So, okay. So, so okay. So I got a, got an advanced degree now. Uh, but, you know, in order to get that, you have to spend a whole lot of time in the rocks. I mean, a whole lot of time studying the rocks. And you have to, you have to in the academy, and, and, you know, many of you know this, that have, um, uh, you know, gone on for some type of graduate degree, and you either had to write a dissertation, you had to write a paper, you had to, whatever you had to do, you know that there's a certain way you have to talk, using a certain vocabulary to certain people, because they're wanting you to conform to, to that type of thing. Now, it wasn't all worthless. But I remember when I, I kind of started on this quest, I remember when I was uh, getting my master's degree. And, and there was an uh, a old, old Testament survey book. So I had to get this book, Old Testament Survey. And uh, it is Gleason Archer at the time. And I mean, that's a, that is a popular evangelical author. And uh, I, I, you know, I don't remember uh, how many pages exactly it was. It was, you know, this was probably 30 years ago. It was big money at the time. 35 bucks for a book was big money. Now, I understand that today, you, you know, it's 135 uh, But uh, I'm like, man, you know, I had to pay this much for this book. And I'm not finding five cents worth of good information per page. And you know, that's just what it is, because you're, you're examining the rocks. How, you know, I'm just saying it's a whole lot better. And there, there are um, many classes I wish that 
as I sat through the lecture, I wish I had just been looking up cross-references in my Bible. I would have learned a lot more Bible than what I, than what I did, either in the lecture or, you know, sometimes I like to just get all the students in a circle and you kind of go around and everybody shares their ignorance. And I'm not sure what you come up with, but whatever it is, you're tested on. And uh, you got to, you know, you got to pass the test. So uh, that's a shame that it's when it's like that. David understood what was better. God is telling you the better thing in this verse. Verse 16, rejoicing, I will delight myself in thy statutes. And then remembering, I will not forget thy word. So, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there is a solution for at least some of your psychological problems. And we all have psychological problems. We are all psychotic in certain areas, and um, there is a solution. Um, And I will say there's some things you don't need to look back on and... Some things which are necessary to overlook, you know, and usually whenever I do premarital counseling, and I think I did this for Bailey, Joe, and Dakota, uh, whoever I do a wedding for, I, I also want to do the premarital counseling. Usually one of the things I say is, like, you know, you need to develop, uh, as Spurgeon said, one blind eye and one deaf ear. Now, don't have two blind eyes because you cannot overlook everything, but there are some things you ought to just turn a blind eye to. And um, Lord Nelson, Horatio Nelson, who, uh, you know, was um, uh, leader of, uh, uh, admiral of the British fleet when they're fighting the French in the English Channel, and, and you know, the battle is raging, and... Um, you know, back then they couldn't communicate by radio, so they, you, you would run flags up the mast. And these certain flags in certain order would communicate things, you know, uh, charge or retreat or, or go left or do whatever. And so his first mate comes up to him, says, uh, Admiral Nelson, we got the message to retreat. And so he looked at his first mate, he said, here, give me the telescope. And Admiral Nelson had lost an eye in a previous battle. He put the telescope up to his blind eye. He said, I don't see that. And they kept, he kept attacking. And they won. They beat the French. So sometimes I'm just saying, you've got to have a blind eye. And you've got to have one deaf ear. You don't, you don't turn a deaf ear to everything. But, um, you know, any, any of you who are going, going, you know, maybe you're going through that moment where you have teenagers... There are certain things that, okay, I'm going to pick my battles here. And, uh, you know, blind eye, deaf ear to some of this. And so, uh, so, um, so, the more we like the promises than the premise, we will have a problem. Because the premise of the promise is always a precept. It's always a principle. And you've got to fulfill the premise to get the promise. So rejoicing, I will delight myself in thy statutes, then remembering I will not forget thy word. You have to fulfill the premise. I've got to rejoice in what God has given me in his word in order to flip that switch where it becomes easier for me to remember it. Now, don't ask me if that is why you can always remember beer commercials and you can't remember scripture. I'm not, I'm, I'm not drawing any parallels there. I'm just saying, you've got you to love the statutes and, and then you'll be able to remember it. So you've got to rejoice. Why? Because, and then you'll be motivated to review because the only way to remember is to read and review. Very few of us have photographic memory where all we have to do is see it once. I mean, almost everybody has to read and review in order to remember. You say, you know, I can't remember anything. You know, I can't seem to remember Bible verses. I can't seem to... Well, okay, well, when did you last review it? 
and, and I, you know, and our problem is uh, somehow we think we get in this mode, we believe, you know, I can go through discipleship, I can be discipled, okay, I'm done with that, I'm some type of saint now because I've been discipled. And you know what? You better become a discipler after having been discipled because you need to review. And you'll learn more discipling somebody else than you learned being discipled. And each time you disciple somebody, somebody else, you'll learn something new. And it'll take you deeper. I mean, we all have to have the review. Um, if I could give you a biblical analogy. So back in the Old Testament, Israel is walking through the wilderness. And uh, they're a little hungry. So they're like, man, as, you know, did God bring us out here to die? What, what's up with this? And so God says, no, as a matter of fact, I will send you manna. But, but here are the rules on manna. So manna is called in the book of Psalms, angel's bread. And manna is like the bread of heaven. So, uh, you know, manna is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's also a picture of, of uh, scripture, of the word of God. And while man shall not live by bread alone, he can live by, they could live by manna alone. But there were rules about the manna. So one rule about the manna was, look, every day you've got to collect it every day. You've got to get fresh bread, fresh manna every day. I mean, every day you've got to go out and do this. And then you've got to consume it. Now, now, if you will do that, it doesn't matter how much or how little. You might, you might read four chapters, or you might read 40 chapters, but you're going to find within that exactly what you need for that day. But if you try and hold it over, you say like, okay, you know, you're, you're, thinking, in, uh, you're thinking in college dorm student mode. You remember college dorm student mode was, well, I have this, I have this food, but I may not have food tomorrow. Or I have this money uh, to buy food, but I may not have money tomorrow. And okay, so I got a, you know, this perishable thing, even though I don't have a refrigerator in my room, somehow I got to, somehow I got to figure out a way to save this and save some of it for tomorrow. Cause just, you know, it's like that when you're, when you're, you know, when you're a college student in a dorm room and poor student. Um, okay, so, so uh, manna was like that. They would, they would look at it and say, man, this, you know, this is really good. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is so good, I think I'm just going to save some of that for tomorrow. And what happened by the next day, it stank and bread worms. In other words, ain't nobody going to eat that. So you've got to go out, every, and the, the only exception was the Sabbath. So, okay, so whatever you got on Friday would be good for Saturday, and then you'd have to go back out again on Sunday. So there was, there was, you know, that, and, I, and I, you know, I, I don't, have you, have you ever gone to a store and you picked up something off the, off the shelf to look at the expiration date and it says, well, uh, you know, it, it's, it's good today, but um, it won't be good tomorrow uh, unless um, you're buying this on a Saturday and then it'll be good Sunday, but it won't be good on Monday. I mean, it's just kind of a crazy thing that God did, but okay. So, all right, we, you, you come to church on Sunday. You kind of get the word of God here with us. You know, you kind of really need that uh, necessary review, uh, ingestion of the word of God continually all the time. Have a system, do something in our, in our prayer diary that we give you every week. I put in there a Bible reading schedule that will take you through the Bible chronologically. And because it only goes through, at, you know, one time in a year, it's, you know, it's 10, 12, 15 minutes worth of reading of, you know, three or four chapters. So yeah, easy peasy. Um, uh, sometimes I recommend to people, and I've done in the past, uh, use, use uh, the zero method. Just read until you get to a page with a zero. So, so you stop at page 10, and then in your Bible, stop at page 20, and page 30, and page 40. Uh, most Bibles are 1,200 to 1,500 pages, and okay, it might get you through three or four times in a year. 
if you do something like that. But, but what, however you do it, you've got to review in order to remember. And so here in verse 16, when it says, I will delight, that word delight is from a Hebrew word that means not only to delight, but to smear over your eyes or face. To, to seal or paste together. Even to be blinded by it. Uh, it's the idea of application. It is the idea of smothering yourself in the word of God. You know, why does a person smother stuff on their skin? Um, what, what is the attraction of cosmetics why does why does someone why does someone put powdered bat guano on their face now i thought about this because um you know we do a live stream and so on Sundays, you know they're they're videotaping stuff and and so you know so i went to the store and I got uh, some MAC uh, powder uh, so that I can uh, reduce the shine. Okay, so, so why, 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 do, why, do we, why, would, why do we do that in a, in a personal cosmetic sense? I came up with, with five answers. Appearance, to change the appearance of your skin. You say... But I'm really ashy today. Okay, well, you, you know, you smother some stuff on. And, and then not so much. Uh, aroma. Sometimes we do it to smell good. Armor. I mean, we might often do it against harm, especially if it's a uh, sunblock or something like that to protect our skin from damage or from bugs or from poisonous plants or whatever. Appearance, aroma, armor. Uh, application by by which I would mean healing. Uh, we put it on for healing. So sometimes we apply a balm or a salve to a wound to aid healing and then anointing. And that was a, an Old Testament purpose uh, to anoint for service. So priests and kings were anointed for service in the Old Testament. Okay, okay, I'm just saying you need to use the Word of God for all five of those things. It needs to be just like that. And if uh, you are in a, if you, if, okay, if you're a guy and you shave every day, shave your face or you uh, put on cologne or, you, or whatever, you wash your hair. If, if you're a female and you put on makeup, okay, well, this ought to be part of it just like doing that. You do that every day? Well, this ought to be a routine, the psalmist David is telling us. And then in verse 16, uh, l- uh, uh, l- let, me, let me slice it a little differently. Verse 16, earnestness, I will de- not delight myself, essence in thy statutes, and effect, I will not forget thy word. So here are two more I wills that's another study you could do sometime if, you know, if you're awake at night and want to get sleepy again. Just pick, out, pick up Psalm 119 and a notebook and read through it to find all the I wills in this psalm and record them, make a record of what they are. I will delight, I will not forget. The first one enables the second, and the second one explains the first. So rejoicing enables remembering... Remembering produces rejoicing because whatever delights us captures our attention and enables our motivation. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. And, uh, you know, I don't know, but I'm going to say that backsliding often starts from a bad memory. I mean, backsliding starts from having a bad memory about what God's done for you, about what you've done for God in the past, about how, how, God, how far God's brought you. 
I mean, the world, the world will fill our mind if we do not intentionally review, remember, and allow the Word of God to fill us. And, uh, and this world ain't no friend of, of mine. So, uh, uh, so let me give a conclusion to this segment, and then we're going to roll in to the next one real quick. Uh, a person is revealed by what he loves and what he hates. Every person is really revealed for who they are by what they love, what they hate. Love for God's word is love for God. We see that here in verse 16. Uh, we can see that if we compare that with verse 47 and verse 70. So the psalmist knows that if he loves what he should love and hates what he should hate, he will live like he should live. Hello, somebody. You know, the Bible is so simple. I mean, so practical and simple with, with its admonitions when you get in to look at it. So Psalm, Psalm uh, 119 is kind of like a, a granary or a, a, a storage silo because every verse has a seed thought. And, and, and then, uh, you know, so uh, for years, David fled from Saul and he's, you know, Saul is trying to kill him finally, and he's, he's on the run from Saul. And then one day, there he was in a cave. And his enemy was delivered into his hand. And his men told him and said, David, now is your chance. But at that moment, David remembered a verse. Thou Touch not mine anointed. Thou shalt not touch mine anointed. Do not touch mine anointed. And that practical application of God's word kept him from sin. Now it also kept him from getting the kingdom at that moment. But it kept him from regret later on. And David was able to define even a favorable circumstance according to not just at face value, but defining it by God's word. And what looked like an open door circumstantially was a closed door scripturally. We need that kind of wisdom. I mean, we need to pass that on. And that is why our key thought for this section is this. The best book in the world is the Bible. And the best place to store it is in your own heart. So I think that also on the, that handout from last week, we kind of gave you a word on the words, on the different words uh, for the word here in um, Psalm 119. And, uh, you know, just some information maybe you can uh, take with you uh, about that. Now, what, uh, what I'd like to roll into t- tonight, um, uh, Lord willing... Uh, is to talk about, uh, you know, let's, uh, maybe let's, let's do a little exercise. So uh, this will keep our minds engaged and keep us involved. And uh, it'll be as good as if we were watching Chiefs game right now. Uh, because we'll be, you know, we'll be uh, uh, interactive with uh, what is happening and, uh, and engaged. So, um, so let, me, let, me, let me ask you to do this. Now I'm going to, uh, uh, why don't we do this this time? Why don't we get in group, um, uh, men with men and ladies with ladies, groups of three or four, three or four people. And I want you to go through, we gave you verses 17 to 24, right? Did we give you that? All, all printed out, verses 17 to 24. So I want you to, uh, you know, I want to give you maybe uh, five minutes or six, few minutes to uh, sit there in the group. And I want you to go through it, and I want you to all decide on what are the verses, what, excuse me, what are the verbs in these verses. Okay, so number one, uh, list all the verbs in the passage. Number two, what are the warnings, pick out any warnings. And number three, what are all the terms for the Bible itself? Okay, those three things. Verbs, 
warnings and terms for the Bible itself. Okay, get with just three or four other people, introduce yourself so you know each other, go through, pick out those three things, and uh, give you five minutes or so uh, to do that. You know, collaborative Bible study is not so scary after all, is it? You say, well, it's not the Bible study that's scary, it's the person I'm studying with. And uh, that, that may be true, I don't know, but stay right where you're at, stay where you're at. Now, so, you know, I know a lot of things that you do in life. People will tell you there is no right or wrong answer. But, and however, every one of these verses ends with a period, Right? That means each verse is a complete sentence. So that kind of means there is a verb somewhere in each verse. I'm just saying that there might be a right or wrong answer when we get down to and when we come to this. So, uh, so, so let me uh, begin up here with the men. Uh, you, you four kind of collaborating together? All right, so, so out of verse 17, what would you say, what would you pull out as the verb? Okay, deal bountifully. One of those verbals, you know, one of the, uh, 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 deal bountifully, verse 17. Uh, uh, okay, group of ladies right behind you. Verse, verse 18, what would you pull out? as the main finite verb in verse 18. What? Well, you have two for, uh, for 18. Okay, so what two did you come up with? Right, and that's kind of the same way with verse 17, because really there's kind of two there that, you know, deal bountifully, that I may live. But, you know, I'm going to say the, the main one would be deal bountifully so that I can live. Uh, and living is obviously a verb, um, action word. Uh, but open mine eyes, and again, so that I may behold. But, uh, uh, you know, I'll say the main thing, open mine eyes. Okay, so... Okay, so if it's a verb, you know, it, it tells you either what God is doing, what the psalmist is doing, and or therefore what you should be doing. Uh, verse, uh, verse 19, so the, the group of guys behind the group of gals. Yes, hide not. So do not hide uh, verse 20, how about the gals here in the center? Okay, so my soul breaketh, kind of breaketh for longing unto. So, uh, so verse 20, verse 21, uh, about the ladies in the front here. Rebuked. I've rebuked the proud, uh, rebuked. And then verse 22, ladies in the corner-ish, remove, so remove from me, back up here, verse, verse 23. Now, actually, and verse 22 again is one of those ones where there's a couple. As a matter of fact, probably both verse 22, verse 23 um, are going to have maybe double verbs, which uh, is why, and, and I know it you know, might have been a minute since you had English grammar of any kind or any uh, thought about a punctuation, but you'll notice in verse 22 that the two halves of that verse are separated by a semicolon, which, which means kind of both sides of that are independent clauses that, that are going to have, that could stand on, on their own. So remove, uh, because I've kept. Verse 23, 
Is that where we're at? So the guy's back up here again, verse 23. Sit and speak. That's what the princes did. And then what I did was meditate. And again, now, verse 23, you'll notice the two halves of the verse are separated by a, a colon this time, not just a semicolon. So a half stop, and again, that is, you know, both sides are kind of independent clauses. So uh, did sit and speak, did meditate. And then verse 24, ladies in the middle. Are, are my delight. So your testimonies are my delight. So we got the verbs laid out. Um, what about any, any uh, warnings? So if I move to the, to the guys behind the ladies, did you all, what is the first warning, if any, that you saw in these verses? Yeah. Yeah, and I picked that out also, that, that I may live. And there are a lot of, you know, I'll say there are a lot of times when a desire is expressed like that, that it's cautioning you against not walking that way and having that desire. So, okay, I, I, I kind of latched onto that one, that I may live. So, so my, you know, warning is I won't live if, uh, if I don't do this. Um, okay, how about the ladies here in the middle? Uh, did you see any other warnings? Okay, yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, you know, if you don't have your eyes open, then I won't be able to behold wondrous things out of thy law. So, uh, so yeah, that's a good one. Uh, uh, okay, the lady's kind of here on this side in the front. Did you, uh, did you see any other warnings? Yeah, in any of the rest of the verses, any of the verses. Okay, so so that, uh, you know, maybe a caution in the sense if you don't look for his commandments... So, we're, you know, again, one of those desires that you could, you know, kind of flip in a certain way, you could take as a caution. Um, so the ladies back in the corner, any, any other warnings that you thought you might have seen in this section? Verse 21, yes. So, and I, you know, I think verse 21 is pretty rich with warnings. So the proud are going to be cursed. That's a warning. And um, the way they get in that position is by they err from thy commandments. So that, uh, that's a good one. Um, you guys up here, did you happen to see any other warnings? Yeah, so that's a warning. Yeah, if, uh, if you don't keep the testimonies, you will suffer reproach and contempt. Um, l- let me throw out uh, an idea here that I'm going to ask you to give me the last, the, the last thing on um, the, the words for the word. But if I were to think about this passage in a, uh, in a, a doctrinal prophetic viewpoint and if I understand that so much of the Old Testament is talking about you know the kingdom is going to come but before we get there um, because it is rejected at Christ's first coming you know we're going through a tribulation uh, until we get to the millennium Uh, let me just point out almost every verse has that um, has that tribulation context to it and the book of psalms especially is rich with the lord jesus words 
for his emotions and what he was thinking and what he was going through as they were rejecting him, crucifying him, you know, taking him to the cross, which is also the expression that the Jews will use under the Antichrist, and they're trying to make it through. Uh, Verse 17, you know, the key thing is that I may live and keep thy word. That will be a hard thing to do under under the Antichrist, uh, if, uh, if you are a Jew and don't want to take his mark and take the mark of the beast, that'll be a hard thing to do. Verse, uh, verse 19, I am a stranger in the earth. Now, how are you a stranger in a, you know, someplace? When, when, when you, you know, typically, what do you have to do to be a stranger? Say, so well, in one way, maybe I'm just not related uh, in another way, if you ever travel abroad internationally, you're a stranger. Um, so typically, in our type of setting, you're a stranger if you are a non-citizen. If they take away your citizenship, if you don't have the passport, if you don't have the mark, if you I mean, we can see exactly how that could happen today. And if you're not going to take that mark, you're not going to get that passport, and you're not going to have, you know, whatever that is that you're supposed to have, then okay, you are going to be a stranger in the earth. Because at that moment, the earth is given over the Antichrist, and he kind of controls all of that. Uh, verse 21, thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed. Well, that's kind of the only way you're going to make it, is God rebuking the proud who are cursed in order to create a crack for you to kind of get through and and hide in. In verse 23, princes did sit and speak against me. Princes did. So it gets, you know, it gets to be a government thing, a uh, one world government thing. I mean, although there, I mean, we we say that. There won't exactly be a one world government. There will be the Antichrist attempted at that, but uh, the kings of the East are kind of their own government. And, and um, so, it, uh, you know, so it's uh, um, moderately true. So the last thing, and uh, actually it's got to wind us up, the words for the word. Where did I stop at? Whose turn is it? You guys? So, okay, verse Verse 17. What's the word for the word? word? Is word. Verse 18. Law. God's law. Verse 19. Commandments. Verse 20. What? Judgments. Verse 21. Uh, 21. Commandments again. Verse 22. Testimonies, verse 23, statute, verse 24, testimonies again. Okay, well, we got a lot done, and that gives us a good foundation for next Sunday. So go ahead and stand up where you're at. Just bump elbows with the person you're sitting next to at this moment, and let me pray, and uh, we can go get the uh, kids if you got some in Awana. Father, we thank you again for the time we can spend in your word tonight. We thank you that, Lord, it's just so rich about teaching us exactly where we need to be, what we need to do. Lord, we need this. Every Sunday we need this. And every day we need to get ourselves in the word of God so that we can get the word of God in us because that, it is the word of your grace that does the work. Oh, Lord, we are such failures without that and failures because we don't do that and so lord show us the way give us revival through your word as we study it together we ask it in jesus precious name amen